Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you so much for being with us this morning. I'm Pastor Chris. Um, we are delighted that you've come and, and joined us and been a part of what God is doing here this morning. Hasn't it been an incredible time in the presence of God so far? Amen, amen. But I challenge you, don't shut down now. Now is the time to open your hearts up and let God speak into you. You know, we have a lot of fun and a lot of just great time worshiping, and, and we should. I mean, that's what heaven's going to be, so we might as well enjoy it, right? But if we get to this point of the Word and we fail to apply the Word of God, we're missing out. Man, the Bible says don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the Word. So this morning, I challenge you, as we wrap up this series, a six-week series that we're simply calling Hope in the Darkness, I challenge you to let God really begin to pour all of this stuff inside of you and mold it and shape it into something useful for His kingdom. And I hope and I trust that over the last six weeks that you've allowed God to restore a hope in you that maybe has been lost or missing for quite some time. Over the last six weeks, we've taken a lot of time to talk about what is hope, what does hope look like, what is hope, how is it found in the Bible, and how does it apply to our lives. But did you know that as a Christian, as a believer, we are not to bottle up this hope for just our own personal use? We are called to share it with the world. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, you are the lights of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. You are the lights of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Come on, look at that. It cannot be. Be hidden. That means it's not an option. It's not an option to, to hide this light. It's not an option to say, you know what? For me, I'm just going to stuff it down inside. For me, this hope is personal. For me, this hope is just mine. It's no, 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 no. It's not an option. You are the light of the world. Therefore, you can't hide it. Oh, now see, come on. Can I just preface this message just for a moment? This is going to be a stomp on the toe morning, not because I want to stomp on your toe, but because sometimes God's word is offensive, and sometimes God's word shows up right where we're living, and he goes, so I'm just telling you, buckle up, buttercup. God has something he wants you to grab this morning, because you are the lights of the world. A city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I want you to pin mark that scripture just for a moment. We're going to digress and then come back to it. Uh, last week, I gave you our definition of the word hope, and it was this. Hope is an expectation 
based on the promises of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you agree or disagree with that definition? Agree. Now, some of you didn't answer, but I'm going to trust that by those that vocalize their agreeance that they can speak for the majority in the room. We agree that, that as a believer, as a, a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that our hope is not based upon things and situations and circumstances all lining up and falling into place, but our hope is an expectation that's based on the promises of God. And the good news is this. Every one of those promises of God has been fulfilled with a resounding yes by Jesus Christ. So if we have this idea that our hope is based on the expectation of what Jesus has already fulfilled and the promises of God, if we agree with that, and if we agree that we are a light on the hilltop that, that can't be hidden, it's not an option, then what do we do with this hope? I've titled this morning's message, Now That I've Got It, What Do I Do With It? Now that I've got this hope, what do I do with it? Is it enough just to absorb all of this hope and, and leave here on a Sunday morning with the, the happy, ooey-gooey feeling of I've been in the presence of God and, and you leave here with all the goosebumps and you leave here feeling great about life and about everything around you? Is it enough just to grab a hold of that and absorb it on in and, and hide it so that no one else can have it? No. Why? Because as a Christian, listen carefully, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, then your faith was never meant to be a silent faith, but a faith that makes a difference. Another question. Would you say that your faith in God makes a difference in someone else's life. Personally for you, come on, think about this. Don't be too quick to answer. Because some of us have been really good about hiding it under a basket. Some of us have been really good of, of hiding out in the corner. Let me ask you again. Would you say that your faith in God, make your faith in God, not faith in God, but your faith in God, makes a difference in someone else's life? If suddenly you were removed from the equation, would anything be affected? Think about this for a moment. If not... What needs to change? We do. If we're not being effective, if, if we're not making an impact, if we're not shining a light into the dark world, if we're not impacting those in our circle of influence and beyond, if we're not impacting our world, then something on the inside of us needs a change. 
We've talked a lot about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but did you know that the first reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you and I could be greater witnesses? It's true. It's so that, that we could share this hope that we have in Jesus. Look at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power, that's dunamis power, dynamite power, explosive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my you'll be my witnesses. Now, I understand that the other gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are vitally important. We've got healing and wisdom and faith and prophecy and discernment, and well, the list goes on and on, but it starts by saying, and you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is someone that has seen or experienced something to the, the degree they can testify on its behalf. Let me share that definition again. A witness is someone, do I have any someones in the house? Someone that has seen, anybody seen the goodness of God? Or experienced, anybody experienced the goodness of God? To the degree they can testify on its behalf. If you're a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that's your role. Because God has already done the miraculous in your life. He forgave your sins. He set you on a new eternal destination. Now, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, let me challenge you, passionately pursue all that He is. You need all that God designed for you to have. But pastor, I heard that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just for the Bible time, it's not for today. Wrong. The Holy Spirit is a vital relevant part of life today and as a believer we need the holy spirit he's applicable to our lives today you need all that god is god the father god the son and the holy spirit now let's go back to our text and we're gonna talk about the holy spirit in a moment let's go back to our text how does this idea of being a witness and having the Holy Spirit connect with Matthew chapter 5. Well, take a look at our text again. You are the lights of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot, again, not an option, cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That would be foolish, right? It'd be foolish to go, you know what? It's dark in the house tonight. Let me grab that lamp. Put the lamp on the stand, turn the lamp on, and put a whole block over the top. Now it's dark again. But isn't that what oftentimes as believers we do? We, we have that connection with God. We, maybe we come to an altar or maybe we pray a prayer someplace and, and God comes into our lives and, and we're excited, we're passionate about Him. But when it comes to sharing that good news, when it comes to being that light in the darkness, what do we do? We cover up. We 
just kind of walk around with this shining light hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I'm going to give you four simple steps, and then we're going to give some practical applications. Four simple steps. Number one, get a lamp. If you want to be a light in a dark world, get a lamp. In other words, that's the salvation. No one can light a lamp without having a lamp. We just got new light fixtures in our house. And can I just tell you that finding matching light bulbs, that's a chore. I'm almost positive Amazon is going to rebuke my membership because I have returned like five sets of light bulbs. I've been to Kohl's more for Amazon returns. My wife's correcting me. No, I went to Kohl's and returned light bulbs to Amazon. It was great. Like five times. These ladies are like, you're back again. I'm like, I don't know. Finding that right light. But can I just tell you we have the right light? We have Jesus. You can't light a lamp without having a lamp. The beginning step is to say, Lord, I need you. And here's the deal. Every one of us need Jesus. There's not a single person in this room that is perfect. There's not a single one of us in this room that can make it to heaven on our own. Why? Because we all sin. We all fall short. We all mess up. We all need a Savior. The good news for us today is that God so loved the world that even while we were messing up, even while we were making dumb choices, God sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for us. So if you're here today and you haven't gotten the lamp, guess what? I've got a lamp for you. His name's Jesus. I'm going to challenge you today. If you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, start today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is your time. I believe that God can ordain a service and, and lay out a service for one individual person. I believe that, that God brought you here for such a time as this. Why? Because he loves you. And it's pretty simple. Lord, I need you in my life. God, I can't do this by myself. Would you forgive me? Would you come in? Guess what? The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us. The moment we confess our sins to him, he's faithful to say, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. What sins? Because I've already gotten rid of them. That's how my God works. The first step is get a lamp. Give your life to Jesus Christ. The second step is this. Light that lamp. Light that lamp. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe there are so many Christians walking around and they've got a lamp in their hand. Oh, look at my lamp. Isn't this a great lamp? I love my new lamp. But they've never lit the lamp. Therefore, they're walking around in darkness. 
the fullness, the completeness of all that God has for the believer. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and, and you're not really sure about this Holy Spirit stuff. Man, I've got a lot of information. I don't have time to unpack it today, but last year, 2019, we did a five-week study that we simply called the elephant in the room, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what role does the Holy Spirit want to play in our lives? I challenge you, go back to the website, go to the vodcast, the podcast, go to uh, the CDs in the back, grab some information at our connect point, go to the Assemblies of God website, someplace, talk to one of us, let us share with you more about the Holy Spirit, because that's the key. The Holy Spirit, He is the one that lights that lamp in our lives. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Something new, a, a new spark arises in our lives the moment we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Get a lamp, light the lamp. Number three, place your lamp on a stand. In other words, go public with your faith. Stop hiding it under a basket. Stop putting it in the back closet. Not once did Jesus ever say that when you give your lives to him, that you should simply hide yourself in the back pew. That you should hide in a corner. Never did he say that your faith is private. Did you know that? Oh, well, pastor, my personality is, I'm very reserved, pastor. I, I'm reserved also. Maybe not. I, I'm really reserved, so, so I, I kind of keep everything to myself. You are the lights of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No one. It doesn't say only those that are extroverts share their faith. Only those that are bold share their faith. Quiet people can hide it. No. No one. Look at your neighbor. Say, no one. Come on, say it with conviction. No one. Why? Because you are the light of the world. Without the lights, all we have is darkness. And can I just tell you, we live in a dark and perverse world. A world that needs the light. A world that needs hope. A world that needs Jesus. Over and over and over, Jesus says, get out there and go public with your faith. After all, the world is going public with all sorts of immoral behaviors. Right? How much more should we the church, should we, the Christian, how much more should we go public with our relationship with Jesus Christ? After all, as a believer, 
Me giving my life to Christ, that was the best decision I've ever made. Why not? Oh, come on. If you get a good deal on something, how often do you tell everyone about it? I've got enough of my dad in me. I'm going to tell you twice. I'm just telling you. If I get a good deal on it, I, I, am, I am the best advertisement any company could ever get because I'm going to tell everyone, man, let me just tell you what happened to me today. And a lot of you are the same way, except when it comes to our faith. Suddenly, well, I don't want to offend you. Can I just tell you, hell is going to be offensive to them. I would much rather offend them now than for, than for them to spend eternity in hell. I'd much rather them ridicule me a little bit now than later go, man, if I would have just taken the time. I can't tell you how many times I've done a funeral and, and I've talked with people and they say, well, Pastor, I had the opportunity to tell them about Jesus and I just, I just didn't do it. For some reason or another, we hide it under that basket. Can I encourage you? Go public with your faith. Number four, let your light aid those around you. In other words, be a witness. You get a lamp, you light the lamp, you place it on the stand, you go public with it, and now you let that light aid those around you. Suddenly, you take on the, the whole idea of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witness. Think about this for a moment. Does God really need us to spread the good news of Jesus? No. No, he doesn't need us. He could do it by himself. He could suddenly walk to the edge of heaven and go, listen up! Without Jesus, you're going to hell. By the way, I wouldn't necessarily use that approach. <laughs> but God could get away with it. He could quietly speak to each person. There's all sorts of ways that God could do this. He doesn't have to use us. But here's the cool thing. He chooses to. He chooses to allow us to be the vessel through which he flows to share the good news of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. He chooses us to be the city on the hill, the light on the stand, to shine for all the world, to see. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Pause. That's oftentimes where we stop. Oh, as a believer, I've got to live my life right. I've got to do what's right. I've got to walk the straight and narrow. I've got to walk. We forget to go on. Shining like bright lights in the world Full of crooked and perverse people. Now, if we didn't live in a world full of crooked and perverse people, then maybe we wouldn't have to shine like a light. But guess what? 
if you're in the same world I'm in, it's messed up. It's crooked. It's perverse. It's dark. It's struggling. So guess what? The believer, the Christian, we have this hope that's built upon Jesus Christ. It's founded upon the basis and the understanding of the the hope that we have in Jesus and what he's done on the cross of Calvary and fulfilled all that God has done for us. We have this hope inside of us. Why not begin to share that hope? Shining like brights lights it's time for the church to stop hiding our hope now listen i'm not saying church corporately it includes a church corporately but it's more personal the bible says that as a believer we are the temple of the holy spirit in other words we are the church you are the church and 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 every one of us if you've accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior you are the church it's time for the church to begin to shine as a bright light for the kingdom of God, to share our hope, we have a reason to shine. We have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to hope. Now let's get out there and be the witness that God's called us to be. Go back to Acts 1.8. Are you beginning to see all the pieces fitting together here? Anybody else? I'm sitting in my office working on this message. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In fact, I I had a hard time stopping in my notes. By the way, you're welcome. The first half we read a few moments, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. But it goes on to say this, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, in your circle of influence, in your home, in your community, your state, in your nation, and around the world. You'll be witnesses for him. Now remember, our hope is an expectation based on the promises of God. We have in our lives a, a hope that is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer. We have a knowledge that is the greatest news of all time. The sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary was a game changer in our lives. Anybody else was was what Jesus did? Was it a game changer for you? Absolutely. Therefore, we we are to let our hope, this hope, so shine for all the world to see, to impact the world around us. That includes everywhere we go, our work, our home, our school, the grocery store, the neighborhood, everywhere. Just starting next week for three weeks, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about missions. See, today it's more of a, a personal experience, a personal conversation. It's sharing good news with those that we have influence on But for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about missions. What does that look like as we impact, as a corporate church, as we impact the world around us? I challenge you, 
be with us. Normally, we just spend two weeks um, in the month of March talking about missions, but I just really felt impressed that this year we give it a, a greater thrust, a, a shot in the arm, if you would, to really emphasize missions and the importance of missions. So I encourage you, be with us for the next three weeks. Uh, we are instructed by Jesus not to just bury this good news, but let it illuminate the world around us. How do we go about sharing hope in this capacity? Well, for the church, corporally, it's many levels, but it starts personally in our lives, and it moves throughout the corporate church and becomes part of the DNA of who we are. If you've been with Encounter Church very long at all, you know that our mission is to what? Love, reach, and empower. Those are the three key words of our mission. Love, reach, and empower. It's the last thing you see as you're moving from the lobby into the worship center right above the door. It says love, reach, and empower. It's on our t-shirts. It's on anything that we do. It says love, reach, and power. Why? Because that's who we are as a church. We exist to love. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what that is? Love God, love people. That's sharing our hope. And again, the greatest hope that we have to offer is the truth that Jesus loves us. Jesus loves the broken. Jesus loves the outcast. Jesus loves the forgotten. Jesus loves the addict. Jesus loves everyone. Jesus loves you. I remember as a kid, it's one of the songs we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, right? Jesus loves you. Some of you need to go home and you need to write that on the bathroom mirror. So that's the first thing you see in the mornings. Jesus loves me. You need to start your day with that reality because until you come to the place that you understand that Jesus loves you, you're going to have a hard time sharing that with the world. But it's the truth. Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I want to share with you two immediate opportunities for you to share your faith, to let your light shine, to be that city on a hill. The first opportunity is this, daily personal evangelism. Now, I purposely put the word daily on the front side because sometimes we can justify our actions or lack thereof because we can say well i remember back in 1974 i did some personal evangelism i'm good it's got to be daily but let's be honest for some of you in the room that word evangelism scares you to death right Evangelism, according to Oxford Dictionary, is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching. That's the part that scares you. But there's another option, or personal witness. Again, what is a witness? 
Our definition of witness was this. Trying to find it. A witness is someone that has seen or experienced something to the degree that they can testify on its behalf. If you have given your life to Christ, you've experienced that life-changing, that forgiveness that only He can give. Therefore, you are called upon to be a witness. Evangelism is right up your street. But here's the problem. We think that evangelism has to be this. I'm going to stand on the street corner. I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus. Is that loud? That is crazy loud. But we feel that that's how we've got to preach. That's how we've got to share the good news. We've got to have, can we turn it down? I don't think I can. Is that better? I don't know. But we feel like we've got to have a megaphone and a big, large Bible and a box on the side of the highway, and we're screaming to the world, turn or burn! We think of guys like that. The end is nigh. But can I just tell you, what we're talking about is just sharing your faith. What we're talking about is just spending the time to listen to those that are hurting. What we're talking about is just being there for that coworker. What we're talking about is just praying with them, not just for them. Uh, we're real good to say, man, I'll pray for you. Why not stop right there, right where you are? But I was in Walmart. Okay. Walmart needs Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Why not stop right where you are and share the good news of Jesus? Of what he has done in your life and in my life. It was John Ruskin in the book The Servant that once said this, What we think or what we believe is, in the end, little consequence. The only thing of consequence is what we do. Did you know in our witnessing, there's action involved? In our witnessing, there's taking the time to publicly declare what Jesus has done. Now, it doesn't have to have a megaphone. That would be fun. But it doesn't have to have a megaphone. It can just be in the life that you live, in the conversations that you hold. It's important for us to not just focus on the number that have already been reached, but on the multitude of hopeless people that are spending eternity in, that will spend eternity in hell unless someone intervenes. The Bible says, how will they know unless somebody tells them? How are they going to come to the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ unless somebody takes the time to share the good news? Can I take this one step further? I love when you invite them to church, and that's awesome. Keep doing that. But did you know that you personally can lead somebody to Jesus? It's a truth. That veil has been torn, and we can all go boldly to the throne room of God. That's awesome. 
Let me move on. So we love, we love God and, and we love people. We're, we're advancing in daily evangelism. And suddenly we've got to, to reach out. We've got to reach those beyond our walls. We can't get stuck and consumed in just those that have already been saved. And don't get me wrong, we've got to spend time investing in those that are in this body. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we can't forget about those outside of our walls. So the second portion of our mission is to reach. We love, we love God, we love people. The next is to reach. We reach upward. We connect with Jesus. He's the source. He's our connecting point. Without Him, we can't grab a hold of the lights. We reach inward. We work in our personal lives. We, we make the changes that need to be made in us, and we work with one another in this body, but we also reach out. We connect those on the outside of our walls. What steps are you taking for personal evangelism on a regular basis in your life? Are you asking God for opportunities to be his mouthpiece? If not, what's keeping you from fulfilling that calling? Because no one puts a lamp on a stand, turns it on, and then covers it up. No one does that. So what's keeping you from going public with your faith? Again, it could be just praying with somebody it could be just sharing your story it could be just spending time with them it could be inviting them to church or bringing them with you to the easter service at the heckard performing arts center it could be about you telling them what jesus has already done in your life or maybe just spending the time to listen to their hearts can i challenge you as you embrace this opportunity can i challenge you listen for the voice of God, and then boldly step out. Our second and final opportunity, mentoring. This is the empowering part of our missions. We love God, we love people. We reach up, we reach in, we reach out, and now we, we mentor, we empower those around us. The great commandment was given by Jesus. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. There's action, right? Go and make. There's action involved in this. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. Here's the good news. By the way, Jesus is saying this. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in those moments when you're having that conversation with that coworker, in those moments when you're standing in the pharmacy department at, at Walmart and that person's having an issue and you begin to pray, in those moments when you're just listening to their hearts, I want you to remember that Jesus promises to always be with you. No matter where you go, no matter what conversations you're a part of, no matter what you're experiencing or how difficult the situation may be, Jesus is still there. But let's break this scripture down a little bit. I don't have time to completely dissect it. But let me give it to you in a nutshell. The Great Commission is this. Make disciples. Let's, let's make converts. Let's introduce people to Jesus Christ. Let's watch them cross over from death to life. 
baptized in. That's water baptism. We've got our next one on March the 29th. I encourage you, if you have given your life to Christ but have not been water baptized, immersed in water, come talk to us. And thirdly, teach them to obey commandments. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. The church, over the course of many years, has done a pretty good job of one and two, make disciples and baptize. We've done a pretty good job there, but we haven't done so well when it comes to the making disciples. The Great Commission, it starts with a key word, go, but it goes much deeper than that. And as I began to look at the Great Commission, I realized something. The Great Commission is not so much what you do as it is who you are, because if you've done the work on the inside, naturally on the outside, you're going to take these, these steps. Naturally, there's going to be reaction or action to what Jesus has done in your life. We must reach the lost. We can't leave them where they are. In just four weeks, on March 22nd, it's going to be a very important Sunday. I'm telling you what, the next four weeks are going to be incredible three weeks of missions, and then on the 22nd, I'm going to have Larry Wheatley, one of our very own, uh, he's going to be joining me here on the platform. We're going to talk about um, this discipleship program, this mentoring program that we want to develop for the year 2020, and it's very interesting to me. Up until this point, I haven't heard many other places talking about discipleship and mentoring, but as I'm now mixing and mingling more with other pastors and other churches and I'm talking with them that's kind of the buzz thing going on right now because we're realizing that we've missed the mark we've realized that we really haven't taken this this great commission to the full extent we're going we're sharing good news we're seeing people saved we're getting them baptized in water but then we're leaving them on the side of the baptismal tank to fend for themselves 